Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jarrett Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We are recording. I am excited to follow up the previous two podcasts, our Young Guns Part 1, Part 2, with uh, Dr. Jessica Stoll. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, this is going to be cool. I love that, uh, you know, we were able to connect on this kind of project, uh, you know, talking with talking with some young people, how they got hired, what made them interested in the in the industry, what they like about it, what they like about working for the companies, and then to go ahead and follow up those two podcasts with with you, who is the founder of Ignite Results, uh, which mm-hmm. what, you know, I'll let you kind of explain that, but um, to have your expertise now to kind of tie it all together and get some listeners, maybe some more information or more in-depth information about what we just listened to in the two previous podcasts. I am, I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, I've listened to the previous two podcasts and it's really inspiring to see young people getting out there and just crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. That was what, that was what we were hoping for. Um, and if anyone hasn't listened to the two previous, I encourage you go listen to those, uh, some young guys that have, that have really just rock stars. I mean, just coming out and love what they do, love their job and are just doing a great job at it. Uh, really encouraging to hear. Yeah. It's awesome. I really enjoyed listening to it. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of background on you? We'll start there and then we can kind of dive in and, and start talking about, uh, everything that we're going to talk about sure yeah so i'll start from the very beginning so i've really been in contracting since i was two both my dad and my stepdad have been contractors since i was really little so first it was ac industrial piping um now more in roofing so i've been around the industry a lot and actually hated the industry and contracting because I see yeah because I just saw if your company's not managed correctly the toll that it takes on your family sure and my dad's company was not managed correctly and so I didn't want anything to do with contracting so I moved out of the state I went and got my undergrad my master's and then my PhD in organizational psychology okay and so i'm a published author international speaker doctor and i focus on people at work so the last like 10 years i spent in school just studying like motivation accountability and culture and really understanding like the theories behind it and then the last six seven years applying it i've been in fortune 100 companies like fedex and public supermarkets so really working high level government contracts, um, tons of consulting, and now I'm only focused on contractors. Okay. Well, very cool. That's a, I mean, a ton, I, I guess you have, a, you, <laughs> to say it lightly, you have a ton of knowledge uh, for anybody in this, you know, if you're going to get anything out of these podcasts, just because you're, you're going to get it from Jessica, you, you're, you're a rock star. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I started just like the people that you've interviewed 
just like really hungry for growth. And I grew up in this tiny town outside of Nashville. The most exciting thing in the past five years is the Taco Bell. And I just (laughs) wanted a better life and wanted to like bring just a new and innovative way to do things to contractors, especially in small towns that don't necessarily have that opportunity and aren't exposed to like a lot of educational things. So I can be the one to go in and help companies like, let's make you a legit business. Let's fix your culture. Let's figure out if there's something not working, let's bring some innovative ideas so that you can run your company and your life better. Well, I think for so many contractors and even, even how I started my business, cause we're, I'm still a small business. Um, it's just, it's just me and manufacturing power distribution. But I came from my dad's business who I think he, at most he's maybe had four employees and he came from his dad's con- electrical contracting business who again probably two or three trucks at the most at one time um and it's kind of i mean that that whole saying you don't know what you don't know and i can remember Mm -hmm. you know having and i can't think of a specific issue but you know an issue in my company where it's like oh my gosh i do not know i can't figure this out this is impossible and you know you talk to a couple people or i get a business coach and and he just goes Mm -hmm. oh do this not that and you're like oh that fixed it. That, yeah. made, that made it all better. So I can see where, you know, a lot of people, contractors where, where we don't have the, maybe the formal education or a lot of entrepreneurs, maybe don't have that formal education, but just have that drive to go. And then mm-hmm. to have somebody like mm-hmm. you come in afterwards and go, okay, let me like, I see all your pain points, but these are all manageable and fixable. And let me show you how to do it. Yeah, really, I get companies up to like transform their company in 90 days or less. Um, A lot of it's like transforming the way they communicate, uh, mapping out their processes and hiring great people. That's that's your your three main things there. Well, and kind of talking about that hiring the right people. So uh, the two previous podcasts, we interviewed four different guys. uh, All from different Mm -hmm. restoration companies, kind of all over the country, too. And what I was, I guess my goal with doing it, one, one, I wanted to spotlight these young guys who were doing a really good job. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did want to do that. But then two, I have a lot of, of restoration contractors and people that are, it's hard to find good help. You know, they're trying to hire the right people. They're trying to get people like, you know, they're trying to figure out how, like one, like, how do I find the right person? How do I know it's the mm-hmm. right person? How do I hire them? And then how, once I hire them, how do I keep them? And so that exactly. was that was kind of, you know, going into talking to these four guys, I wanted to cover all of those areas and see if there are any, any kind of commonalities, anything that's, that's pretty standard across the board. And, and I'd like to kind of dive into them and talk to talk to about each one of those. But really, the only one that I came up with was, at the end, culture, they, they, mm-hmm. and they didn't say culture specifically, but they all liked, like the company they worked for. They all, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they felt like it was a family and they felt like they could trust them. And, and it was that Mm -hmm. culture made by the company, you know, to these, to these young guys. Um, And that was really the only, the only like common between all four of them thing that I could, that I could pick out. Yes. And that's actually a great, like, for you to notice that because there's really, I mean, two reasons why younger people are attracted to a company and that's um, feeling like they're, you're part of bigger, something bigger than yourself and having opportunity to develop within the company. So those are your two major things. 
Yeah, and they and they both all four of them said those two exact things. They they mm-hmm. uh, you know they like the restoration side of the job because they can go in when someone feels like their life's turned upside down and and they don't know what to do and they these guys get to come in and fix it for them. They they get to come in and make that difference and they can see it you know right away. You know they they get to change someone's life in that moment and then also the opportunity that their company gives them to grow and keep you know further education and more promotions and. That was I mean, mm-hmm. those two things that you just said. That's what these four guys said too. all of them. Yeah. A lot of people think, you know, the number one reason why people leave a company is for pay. So that's what people say. I mean, no one's going to leave for like less pay, but like the reason they start looking is because they're not happy 75% of the time with the leadership of the company. Um, with their direct manager. So that's like the pay is the trigger, but the whole reason they're holding the gun in the first place is because they aren't happy with this current management situation. Right. Right. It's probably a bad analogy with workplace violence. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, it was just a, a theoretical gun, not a real one. Uh, right, right. Water gun. Water gun. <laughs> well, so kind of kind of where I wanted to start, and we can just kind of briefly go over them. One, you know, when I was talking to these guys, I wanted to know about their previous employment. employment. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that was actually a pretty common thing, too. I think all four of them, you know, were responsible for purchasing their own vehicle, for providing their own insurance. I mean, these guys had financial responsibilities while they were still in high school that they were responsible for you know their parents weren't mm-hmm. weren't handing them money um and all of them ended up getting jobs you know at 14 15 16 you know and and having jobs throughout high school um mm-hmm. do, you, do you kind of see an overlap there of a good you know we're talking about somebody maybe 25 or younger but when you're looking for someone that's motivated and a good hire is that something that that kind of, kind of, uh, I don't want to say dictates it, but, but kind of shows that, Hey, this could be a good guy. He's, he's been, ha- he's had a job since he was 15 years old. Yeah. So I think like the common denominator, whether it's having a job, but looking for somebody that has a need for achievement and growth. So you can look at it like, okay, they've had a job. They've got this financial responsibility. You can also look at it like they've excelled at school in their academic career, Um, they've played sports and like had, you know, became a team captain, but so whatever, I don't think I would want to limit it to just have a job, but you know, it's more of have they excelled in the other areas of life and, and do they have that need for growth? When you're, when you're interviewing someone, how kind of how and we're talking you know 25 and under how far mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. do you want to you know start talking to them about their their life and those achievements i mean do you go back to the eighth grade football team and and try to <laughs> no. you know, try to get an example there um you know but we got a kid working at ihop when he's 15 i mean how far kind of how far do you go back and, and right. where do yeah. you where do you kind of i don't know draw the line but where is that good I mean, information usually- how do you get it yeah, it's usually like five in the past five years is okay. all that I would go back with work history, all that I would go back. I mean, with all the changes that consistently happen in our world, going back five years and thinking that behavior is going to predict future behavior 
is pretty misleading. So we want to stay current. Okay, say that again. Oh, sorry. No, you're you're good. So, I just want to. I just want to. I think it's an important point. Yeah. So I only go back five years within their work history, within their achievements, because we the whole point of an interview question is predicting future behavior. That's the only reason we ask right. is to predict how well they're going to perform in our company. So asking questions that are about something 10 years ago is not a predictor of future behavior. So ideally you want to keep it within two years, but going back five is great. Then for like the younger generation, I mean, there's a big development that happens between, you know, 15 and 18. There's a lot that happens there. So focusing on the most recent is important. Okay. And I think too, you know, kind of, talking about that too i'm recalling these conversations i had with these guys you know as i went through them you know another thing that that kind of stood out to me is in influence most of it was their is their father that was you know really kind of mm-hmm. pushing them to to do something to six i don't say do mm-hmm. something but succeed you know that they had they had like a good mentor they had a good role model mm-hmm. in their father and then i think the the last guy um Brandon was his it was his grandmother that but mm-hmm. I, I guess the point is whenever I asked him like hey who's influenced you none of them were like um I don't really know it was like boom dad did grandma did like they had they had an answer very mm-hmm. very quickly of someone who has been a positive influence in their life yeah I mean that's exactly why I'm successful is because I had my parents and where I was really set up for success, like watching their influence. And I mean, it's tough, you know, somebody that didn't grow out, grow up with access to education with a broken home, like all of those are factors that now someone has to overcome. So I think it's like something like as listeners on the podcast to be like really grateful for like all the people in your life and your situations because some people just don't have the same opportunities or they have to work 10 times harder to put themselves in a position for success. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, um, you know, we, well, especially, I mean, just, we could go on and on, but just us as Americans and taking things for granted and how fortunate we have it. But that's another, another thing that I think some people can overlook and not realize how fortunate they are to have, you know, maybe have those easily built relationships or those good people around them. Yeah. I mean, there's so many theories about like high achievers. So this is kind of something I studied in school is like, what makes somebody a high achiever? Is it their circumstances? Is is it their genetics? Is it their upbringing? Is it just like a spiritual thing? So there's no real one answer. It's a collection okay. of everything. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like to find commonalities, I think, you know, we can, we, but we don't want to overgeneralize something that's just more complex than, than just sticking someone in a box. If you had a good family. Sure. Sure. It was, yeah, it was interesting. I think, and then, uh, kind of the next thing I wanted to find out is, uh, how they found out about these jobs, you know, where, where, Mm -hmm. where did they find the jobs? And, uh, one, one worked for his dad. So that was a pretty, that was pretty easy one. (laughs) He found -hmm. found his job pretty easy. The other two referred by friends. And then, uh, 
the other the other gentleman uh, started at a temp agency and then mm. and then became a full time hire mm-hmm. off of that. So which I thought that was kind of interesting, too, that there's, you know, kind of that that dynamic. But two guys coming from referral. I mean, is that something that you see uh, in that that hiring process when looking for someone is is it seems to me like maybe referrals would be overlooked. Uh, and you're trying to get your information on this website or get your information over here, get it to this recruiter, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. you could actually go internally and, and find some referrals inside the company. Yeah, that's the strongest way to recruit someone. That's the number one way is referrals. Um, okay. So when I work with companies, it's like you have to have a referral program. So once somebody completes their first job, once some after person receives their paycheck or sells a roof or you know, sell something, then the person that referred them gets like 500 bucks or 300 bucks um, for that referral. So incentivizing your people to refer people. Okay. So that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, and that typically works uh, when you have good people already. Okay. So you're saying if you're a company and and this, and I mean, we got a little jumble up right there, but if you're a company and you don't have a referral system, like you, you need one, you should have one. Yes. And what yes. does what does that in a in a kind of an overlook? What does that look like? So, I mean, it's really just a policy of saying if you bring me people, then for each person you bring me, it's five hundred bucks. And if they're hired and like have like a two week waiting period, or after they sell their first job, like there's some criteria. Okay. Not just because someone gets hired. But making sure they're either there for a certain period of time or they're if it's like somebody commission driven that they have their first sale. Um, but it's really as simple as that. Once you put money on the table for people, they it makes it easier for them to go out and get their friends. Sure. Yeah. And they, and they want to. And so if, if we're so like if a company doesn't have something established right now, we're saying give a five hundred dollar referral and let's do as a, as far as a time frame what does that what does that time period look like i know you said 2 weeks is that i mean is mm-hmm. that a standard or should be longer or what's what's your what's your suggestion there if we were just going to implement one now <laughs> yeah i mean some i think it needs to be standard we don't need to overcomplicate it like some companies will do $100 for 2 weeks and then after 90 days so oh, it depends on yeah. the structure of a company. So like in roofing companies that I've worked with, it's after they sell their first job or okay. after two to four weeks in, in the company, it needs to be a shorter amount of time Okay. Um, to be motivating. Gotcha. Yeah. Like okay. people are motivated by, we get someone in the door, we get paid right. after like 90 days that, um, motivation is less because the reward and the behavior are so far apart. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that $500, two to four week time period. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have that implemented in your company, go ahead and go ahead and start. Cause uh, two of the rock stars that I talked to came from referrals, came from uh, a brother or a friend or, or somebody. So yeah, very, very uh, effective. Yeah. One thing about referrals, and this kind of goes into like the culture piece is the best way for to get referrals is actually being a good company. Yeah, that would make sense. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Like you've got to be a great place to work 
in order for your people to want to go get people to work there. Cause saying, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you convince your best friend to come work for like a shitty company. Like no one's going to do that. Right. So you actually have to be a good company. It'd be a pretty shitty friend too. To do right. That. <laughs> like, like, so it's like, Oh yeah. You know, we'll imp- implement this referral program. We'll build out our team. But it's like, no dude, like your company sucks. So that doesn't even matter who's going to come work for you. Cause it's not a great place to work. And I think that's kind of where we go to next from here. You know, so now we've got, we've got these guys, they found the jobs, they're hired. And now it kind of goes back to what we had talked about originally. Um, it sounded like the kind of the next thing was, was that culture, but it kind of a, it kind mm-hmm. of a mix, you know, that opportunity, you know, they, they jumped on, they made a difference immediately. They felt like they were part of the family. I know one guy said, I said, how do like, when you start, like, how do you feel like you're a part of the family? And he goes, well, our shirts say team icon on them. Everyone has a shirt Mm -hmm. that says team icon. So you're part of the team. As soon as you walk in the door and it's very obvious, you know, they, they do it that way. Um, But how Mm -hmm. do you, yeah. How do you, and let's talk specifically with a new hire, you know, what's, mm-hmm. what's kind of the, the steps to go, dude, you're a part, like you're a part of the team. We got your back. What, what does that look like? How do you, how do you establish that? So, I mean, I think there's like a little, we should go back just a couple steps sure. because we always like most people, when they call me, they're like, we need to focus on the new hires, but it's like in order to grow your company, we need to make it manageable before we can hire more people and scale it. So starting with, starting with this culture, I mean, so most people get confused about what culture is. There's so many definitions. There's so many things that the people say culture is, but it's one thing. There's one thing it is. And that's an experience, how you're, people experience working at your company that's culture interesting that you said i've never heard it explained that way but that it's an experience exactly and so you're thinking like we spend so much time focusing on our customer experience have all these policies written out um, about how we're going to take care of our customers and we want them to be happy that's the end goal is their experience but we often, as companies that I work with, we fail to put emphasis on our employee experience. There's really no policies or, or team development activities or anything that's really supporting the employee experience. And so once we're investing in our team, it's automatically improving the way that we treat customers. Sure, because it's gonna kind of like a trickle down. I mean, if you're yeah, if you're happy, right. then you portray it, and then it, it keeps going. I'm so I'm curious. Then the the experience. What if you walk into a business and you're like, we need to have this employee experience. Kind of what's the what's the first? Is there a first thing you look for? Is there a first step to doing that? There's there's a couple ways to do it. When I go into a company, I do interviews. So I interview the whole team. Okay. Um, or I will do a survey like to to see like an employee experience survey so we break it down and look at you know what where's the breakdown is it pay is it not having friends at work is there lack of trust is it um the systems that are bad is it the leadership lack of communication so i'm going in i'm measuring all of that before i'm like looking to rebuild culture because 
it, the culture may be great, but we've got to be able to have like some concrete data in order to see what people are actually experiencing. With sales, that's easy to track. We've got our numbers on the board. We can have like our customer feedback surveys, yep. but we need to know what employees are thinking. So one way to do it is just getting their feedback and asking them. The other way to do it is like as an outside consultant, I do interviews and surveys. So that's like ground one. When you want to improve culture, we didn't need to know what's working and what's not. Okay. And you're doing, you're doing that as third party through a survey. Yes. Yeah. And then once you kind of find, well, I guess, let me ask you this. What's, what's the most common one that's, that's kind of that breakdown. Um, well, it's always a lack of trust. Okay. There's, There's always a lack of trust is the main issue. So typically that happens in, in two type two forms of trust. And this is what my research is on. Yeah. So some, we often think of trust as my manager cares about me as a person. That's trust. But what we often don't consider is trust is consistency in the company. In order to trust something, it needs to work the same way every time. You've got to have systems in your business. If you don't have policies, if you don't have systems, if you don't have standardization, there is no trust in the company. There's... Like, I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it does, yeah. Structure equals trust. I mean, it's kind of like even when you're like raising a kid, having them on a schedule and a structure or whatever. You know, it's we don't, we're people like, we're not too far removed from being kids. I mean, it, it still works the same way. Knowing your expectations, having your job description, having the systems to follow, that creates trust. And that's really where your foundation you can't really have a strong culture unless you have the strong a strong foundation in the company. So it's having those procedures and systems in place so that so so that your your team knows exactly what's expected, what the outcomes are, and having that consistent. And you're, exactly. And you're saying that's that's the tr- that's the trust p- part of it. I mean, we're calling that trust. Um, yeah. So kind so, of like tr- yeah, it's trust of the head and of the heart. Okay. Interesting. And it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I know, it totally makes sense. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about, you know, what is actually trust, but it's really, yeah, we can say, you know, it's a great family environment. People are warm, but how long does that actually last if you have systems breaking down and people stepping all over each other to get a job done and there's no way to stay organized. That's where all your frustration comes from is that lack of standardization. So when you have that foundation, it's a lot easier than to focus on these like emotional, inspirational team building activities. That completely makes sense to me. I mean, because, because how, because if it's a building activity, well, you have to build on something. And if you don't have, if, if you don't have, <laughs> If you don't have it to begin with, the building activity is going to be useless. There's nothing to build on. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad we're on the same page. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it, it totally makes sense. And I guess I never realized, um, you know, kind of the importance of. I mean, I understand the importance of systems and, and procedures, but that 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 those can really like that's the foundation. Like that could really break I, I guess i didn't realize the the consequences and how far 
you know, they go into mm-hmm. culture. I wouldn't have, I don't know that I would have put systems and procedures in culture, in the culture bucket. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't think of it like that, but it's like, just like the logic piece of like when we're designing an employee experience, because it really goes back to the experience, not just the emotions. So designing an experience, designing those systems to create a positive experience. I mean, you're, you're creating all the systems with like a people first mentality. Um, So just really depends on like your market, your business structure, but whatever systems and processes you develop, you want to, make sure that it's putting the employee first. Yeah. Well, I think in, in talking to these guys, I mean that they, they, I feel like they definitely felt that. I mean, they felt I'm trying to think how, how they, how the one kid put it, um, you know, kind of like, like he, they, they, they got his back kind of thing. I mean, he's, he can, he trusts them there. I think the other thing was, uh, that came up as like, you know, they're straight shooters. They tell me the truth, you know, it's, it's, they're direct. Um, and it seemed like mm-hmm. they, it seemed like these guys liked that kind of interaction with their upper management also. Exactly. So the actual, so the third thing, so we, we talked about um, opportunities for development. We talked about culture. And then the next thing that like, the younger generation wants is feedback. feedback, feedback from their manager. Yes. Um, a lot of times like the, company owner or the managers oh we're just too busy well they're too busy first because they have broken systems so <laughs> well, there's, so yeah. that's the so problem there's your first right. there's your first clue yeah if you're so too step busy, one. your systems aren't right yeah got it so they want people crave and especially younger generations crave that feedback um from their managers and having it really done quickly I mean, you think about now the way that our world works, everything's really quick. We get feedback from a quiz automatically. We're no longer mm-hmm. using these scantrons and waiting weeks to get our test score. It's automatic. So we're operating where people, especially younger generations, want that immediate feedback. So that's where weekly meetings and one on ones come in and keeping that that time for feedback, that like consistent check ins with the manager and the employee. So you said something there, and I kind of want to touch on that. So you said a weekly meeting and one-on-ones. Uh, obviously, a weekly meeting is once a week. What what should those weekly meetings you know, consist of? So usually that's like your weekly, at least weekly team meetings. So, I mean, the team meetings typically are, let's everybody give a status update on what they're at. Is there any issues in the field that we should all be aware of? Um, let's go over some training. Um, it's just typically just like a weekly check-in. So everyone's on the same page Okay. and you know what, if it's digitally or if it's, um, face-to-face, I prefer face-to-face. Um, it really, that's, it's not even exactly what you're going to be accomplishing in those meetings, but having everyone together, that's what builds trust. And that consistent, kind of that, that update right. and moving forward and what's kind of kind of the future kind of keeping everybody in the loop and future plans and where we're going and how it's and how it's going right so everyone gives a status update the manager he'll typically or she'll typically tell about you know 
the initiatives that are going on, any changes that are going to be happening in the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, changes happen so quick. Laws are changing. Hurricanes are happening. Things change quickly. And so what happens is usually there's no team meeting structure. So we just blast out an email telling people, oh, your life is about to change. Your pay is changing. We're riding out into the storm. And then it's like, oh, cool. Like, I feel real cared about. Yeah, I see. So, yeah, so use those time in the weekly meetings to kind of basically just Mm -hmm. keep everyone together. Exactly. And now the one-on-ones, how often, how often should we be doing one-on-ones and what, what kind of things are we, or what are we absolutely covering in a one-on-one? So that's again, like how you're building trust between employee and manager just depends on how the structure's built. So in roofing companies, typically it's like the, the owner is going to meet with the management staff, each person one-on-one and then the manager would either do small groups or one-on-one with his employees. Okay. Obviously, if you're managing 10 employees, it's that's not feasible. But if your structure is set up right, where you have like one manager managing four or five people, then like having that meeting once a week, 30 minutes, or meeting every two weeks, 30 minutes, is how you're going to be proactive. Otherwise, you're having answering the same questions, like fighting fires, okay. waiting until something falls apart, and then giving feedback rather than having that consistency. And also that consistency builds trust. That's a so, common thread. So you're, say, you're saying one-on-ones could even be once a week or once every two weeks? Right. Yeah, no longer than every two weeks. Okay. Okay, very cool. Well, then I guess, and I guess going from there... Uh, you know, the next thing would be everybody finds they, I mean, they find a lot of satisfaction. Uh, I asked them two questions. Let's do that. I asked them two questions. I said, what do you like about the job that you do? And what do you like about the company that you work for? Trying to, it's kind of separating mm-hmm. the two and the job, you know, the job always came back as, you know, basically they come, they come in as, as superheroes and save the day. Uh, they come mm-hmm. into, they come mm-hmm. to these situations and, uh, one was, you know, and, and they're pretty, everyone pretty much had the same answer, but, you know, one was as far as coming into the homeowner, the homeowner has a fire, they have a flood, they, you know, this isn't something that happens to them every day, they don't know what to do, mm-hmm. they think their life is ruined, you know, and these mm-hmm. guys come in and go, Miss Jones, we're going to take care of this, we're going to put it back, don't you worry, you know, and they get started and they, and by the end of it, you know, she's like, Oh my gosh, you guys are great. Thank you so much. You've helped. And, you know, and, and they get that immediate kind of satisfaction, gratification of, of the job that they just did. And then two, while they were on the job, all of them talked about the teamwork within the company that, you know, they don't want to let the guy down next to them. And they know that guy doesn't want to let them down. And everyone's working together for the same goal. And they can come in and, and the amount of work that they accomplish as a team and feel like they're, you know, they're a part of that team and can trust the team on the job. Mm-hmm. That was the other big thing that all of them, all of them pretty much said that that's what they liked about the work, the work aspect mm-hmm. of their job. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, helping people, and getting that immediate feedback and just feeling like you're making a difference. Oh, there's that feedback I mean, again. Yeah, the immediate feedback. Yeah, so that's like, you know, so when we're talking about millennials, it's like 
feeling like you're something part of something bigger than yourself. So that means like being part of the team and make feeling like you're making different a difference in the community. I mean, it is a rewarding job. That's why, you know, it's physically taxing a lot of times depending on your role, but people stay well into their fifties, sixties, because you can see how you're impacting someone's life. And, and I really have so much respect for all the restoration contractors that I work with because when we think about uplifting a community, the contractors are, are really one of the foundational pieces that's keeping everything together. If it wasn't really for them, are. things yeah. like they are on the ground to in crisis, stabilizing communities in, in a time of disaster. Yes. Yeah. They, I mean, I've, again, I've never really looked at it in that that big picture, but yeah, especially in especially in a time of disaster, you know, where everyone comes in. I mean, it is it is those guys and that the contractors and their teams that come in and and really put it all back together for everyone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, without them, things fall apart, and and like I've had a lot of people. I know a lot of people that worked with bad contractors. And when they haven't done their job right, and then it's months later of misery and having to miss like family time to deal with redoing, getting a new contractor. So somebody coming in and doing it right, part of a good team that's well-trained, that not only enhances like their life in the first week, but it saves them so much stress. Yeah. That's why I love working in this, in this industry and working with contractors and I feel like, you know, we talked about recruiting, how to get great people into the industry. I mean, that's the story that needs to be told in your recruiting. We need to show the younger generation, if they want to feel like fulfilled and feel like they're part of bigger than something than themselves, having a video that shows, you know, this is how we've helped people and really getting your brand out there. I think, you know, contractors can be super humble I mean, well, you always have the ego of the owner, but you can be super <laughs> humble like yeah. in the community. Like it's, if you can really showcase that to like job seekers, how much you make a difference in that, you know, emotional appeal, how we are helping people. I think a lot more people would want to be in the industry. They just don't know. That's a really good point. That's a really great idea too to have to kind of market that side of the business where, yeah, if you if you want to make a difference, if you you can come here and you can make a difference tomorrow because we're gonna we're gonna go to this this chaos job and we're gonna fix it and you're gonna have that fulfillment. You'll you'll feel fulfilled tomorrow. Yeah, I don't I don't know that anyone's actually marketing that when I mean I'm sure they are. Uh, you know somebody is, but as far as a lot of people who are trying to find that that new hire or even just get people to apply or get people to interview. Uh, that's that's a story that needs to be told. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about like people want to come to the company to learn and grow, and they want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And, I mean, that's it. Like, you're protecting the homeowner's biggest investment of their life. Like, this is where if there, something happens with the home, like, that's their biggest investment. So to have a part in being able to protect that, is absolutely incredible like you're really helping like like their finances pretty much hinge on this investment so like to be part of like such it's just such a powerful 
gift and service that restoration contractors give. Well, I think you said, I mean, so many people are like, I don't know. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know what to offer these guys. Uh, You said learn and grow, give them the opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn and grow and make, you know, make sure they're a part of a team, make them bigger than themselves. Yeah. Learn and grow and your purpose. And then we, we touched on feedback and communication and feedback. And then once you get them there, then uh, immediate feedback, pretty much. I mean, yeah, give them, give feedback. Yeah. 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 Those are the top three things. Yeah. That like the younger generations want and keep them motivated. And I'm, so it's, I'm really glad that that came through in all your interviews and that you noticed those themes because that's it. Your communication, your sense of purpose, and where do I go from here in my career? Well, and then I think the last, kind of the last thing that everybody everybody had a story, um, you know, when I asked them, what do they like about the company that they work for? And mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, it kind of ties in with that feedback. Well, some of it ties. So let me just go here. So when I asked them, two two of them, two of the guys said stuff that really stood out. You know, one was they have a barbecue. Their company has a barbecue, and I don't remember if it was every Friday or once a month on Friday. But I know that he he knows he's getting a good meal. He's getting a barbecue, and it's going to be with the whole company. You know, coming together for this barbecue, and that was something that he really looked forward to. Uh, the other guy. He was, he was more, had more of an office job. I thought it was fun. He said, everyone in the office has a Nerf gun and, (laughs) and they shoot each other. He's, you know, he he just, he, he talked about that, that he's been shot more with a Nerf gun and shot more people with a Nerf gun than he ever has his whole life. But, you know, everybody in the, in the office has a Nerf gun and that just kind of made it, made it fun, you know, just made a good atmosphere. So uh, I guess in wrapping up, do you have any, you know, kind of like those, those kinds of things where, um, you know, what should people be doing or what have you heard of people that are doing that are kind of maybe kind of off the wall or maybe a little, you know, not as expected um, just to show some, some gratification or have some fun inside their company? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the, like the, the mission of a restoration company is to be able to help homeowners in the community. So I think, it always provides a sense of purpose and teamwork whenever you're doing something in the community, some type of charity event quarterly. I always recommend my companies to do that. A charity event quarterly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you're going to like, sometimes you have egos in the company because we don't get outside of our busy day to day. And so once you're doing something like going to the animal shelter or delivering food to people less fortunate, that's a way that you bond with your team and you're outside your comfort zone. Okay. Celebrating birthdays, having, you know, once a month lunches, just whatever works for your company. You just, the most important thing is that people are together. Well, I guess it kind of goes back to that experience, the employee experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, so exactly. I, think, yeah, I think you said it with the birthdays and, and a monthly lunch and, and yeah, it's just that, uh, yeah, just going back to what we talked about previously, it's that, that employee experience. Yeah. And, and that's what people typically think of culture is like, like the fun things like team building and activities. And that is, that is definitely the part of culture. But I guess one of the things that I want to convey to people is that only works when you have a strong foundation. Right. If your, when systems your systems and processes. Invest- yep. Exactly. Then that doesn't matter. 
like because everything's a wreck and everyone's stressed out so oh let's go to a barbecue and talk about our problems like <laughs> yeah yeah there's not much yeah you have to have something to build on before you can have team building exactly i love i haven't heard anybody say it like that but that's i'm gonna start using that you take it yes use it it's probably, <laughs> probably one of the most clever things i've ever said yeah take that uh, <laughs> Dr. Jessica, I know we are, uh, you know, out of time. You got to get going. I can't thank you enough mm-hmm. for everything that you've shared. I mean, I think uh, anyone who listens to this podcast who has some of these questions or is fighting with some of this or struggling with it in their company, uh, I can't imagine they can't find some value in the conversation and the wisdom that you shared today. So thank you so much for taking the time talking with us and, and getting that information out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been really fun. If anyone wants to get a hold of me, yeah, I was just going to uh, say, email. go ahead and yeah, yeah, get. <laughs> if anybody wants more information from you, how do they get it? It's Jessica at igniteresults.net. Okay. My company is Ignite Results, and Facebook is Ignite Results Consulting. So, igniteresults.net. That's how you can find me. Okay. Shout out. Okay, perfect. And I'll get all of the information in the show notes also. So anybody trying to find Dr. Jessica, you can go there, go to the show notes and find those links to, to get with her. Uh, again, I can't thank you enough for the information you shared. I think it's, it's going to be very, uh, very helpful to a lot of people. Thank you. It's awesome. I will talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a great day.